will speak with us this evening for a, a while and update us on the State League's gerrymandering lawsuit and the lame duck extraordinary legislative session. Uh, the lawsuit brought to the court on our behalf by the State League. So without further ado, Aaron, and after that we will have some questions and answers and then we will move into the rest of our meeting for the evening. Thank you, Aaron. All right, thank you, Eileen. And is it working? Everybody can hear okay? No? I'm, move it up a little bit, okay. It can bend. Is that better? Yes. Yeah, okay, ooh, I got a little feedback now. Get it fixed. How's that? Okay, still if you hear a little feedback, but okay. Um, thank you, Eileen, and members of Dane County League, uh, of which I'm also a member. Um, I'm very honored to be here uh, today to talk with you about these uh, important litigation cases and uh, to give you a little bit of insight in the, the league's role and how we're connected to them. Um, so I wanted to start first with the uh, gerrymandering suits. So in uh, March, the Supreme Court, that is the US Supreme Court, uh, heard two arguments, uh, one from North Carolina and one from Maryland. North Carolina is a Republican gerrymander, Republican partisan gerrymander. Maryland is a gerrymander done by the Democrats. Okay, so the Supreme Court took these two cases at one time and heard arguments. So I'll get to where Wisconsin's case fits into this in a second, um, but just a little bit more about uh, these two cases. In North Carolina, uh, our league, the North Carolina League, is a plaintiff in this case, and uh, theirs is based on the First and Fourteenth Amendment. Okay, um, what their maps did was violate the congressional uh, districts in North Carolina, and um, it is a blatant gerrymander. They, the, the ones who drew the maps have said as much. Um, same thing in Maryland. Uh, we have a case here, and the Maryland League signed an amicus brief, um, and also, uh, in the same way, uh, is citing that Maryland as, is also um, part of an egregious gerrymander um, that was done by the Democratic Party. In fact, they've done it, um, as we know, in Wisconsin in such a fine uh, manner that they've been able to reduce the Republican representation into one district. So, um, so I, I, I like to use gerrymandering as a, an example when uh, the league is attacked for being partisan in saying, uh, here's an example of how the league is not attacking a party, but we're attacking power, and we're attacking the idea and holding government accountable uh, to the people, because that's who they're supposed to be representing. So it's not that we're going after the Republicans or the Democrats. It's that we're going after those who want to maintain their power, and in doing so, they're trying to draw themselves uh, into maintaining their power. Um, and so that's one way that I like to describe the, the league's connection to gerrymandering and why we're so outspoken on it. Um, in fact, in Wisconsin, we've been 
uh, outspoken on it since the 1970s. Uh, our position hasn't changed. In the 1990s, when the Democrats had control of uh, our state government, uh, we went to them and said, listen, this was the league, not me at that time. <laughs> listen, you need to uh, stop this gerrymandering. Um, you, not gerrymandering, but you need to put together an independent uh, council so that uh, we can draw maps fairly and that will not be one-sided. Uh, the Democrats scoffed and said, it's our legislative right. Uh, that's the power that's given to us. Um, don't worry about it. Um, fast forward to where we are today. Now you ask the Democrats if they're worried about it, they will say yes, yes we are, and we should have done something about it back then, and now they're more apt to see um, just how far this, this can go. And, the, and, and now with our computer systems and the technology that's there, the voter data that can be collected, um, you, you'd like to think that those things are all good for uh, used for good and not evil, but unfortunately, there are some in power who are using those uh, tools for for their own gain. Um, so uh, I wanted to quickly mention two other uh, recent developments in, in the gerrymandering uh, issue uh, that have just happened in the last few weeks, and that's with Michigan and Ohio. Now, Michigan and Ohio have uh, direct uh, ballot initiatives. So the voters in those states said, we are done with this gerrymandering business and we're gonna take it upon ourselves. And so they pa passed popular uh, ballot referendums, which are binding. Now Wisconsin doesn't have that avenue. Uh, we don't, as voters, have that kind of control in our state. Michigan and Ohio do, and that's what they decided to do. And um, since that, what, what happened was the, the, the people said, stop the gerrymander, draw fair maps. Their legislature said, no way, and um, went to court. And just in the last two weeks, uh, both courts, uh, for both these states' cases, uh, sided with the people and said, these gerrymanders are out of control. And I think it was in the Michigan case the panel said directly to the Supreme Court, because that's now where these two cases will, will be headed on appeal, um, said to the Supreme Court, you need to do something about this. The, these gerrymanders will not stop. Uh, this, is, this is partisan power out of control. And so um, that was a direct appeal to, to the Supreme Court to intervene and set a standard. And that's what the... Uh, North Carolina and the Maryland cases are asking for as well. Um, and so that's what the Wisconsin case, that's what we would like to see uh, with our own. And um, I believe it was about a year ago that Bill Whitford came and, and spoke uh, with the Dane League, and I know that he's also spoken to uh, around the state and to many other league functions um, about his involvement in the Wisconsin gerrymandering case. And so our case didn't move as quickly as the North Carolina and Maryland case. Um, and, and so right now our case is at the, in the federal appeals uh, court and the recent development there is that the uh, plaintiffs have requested that Representative Robin Voss uh, testify. 
um, or hand over documents that can show what his intent was in drawing the maps that the legislature did back in 2011. Um, so this went back and forth a little bit. He said, no, I have privilege as a legislature. You can't take me, you can't bring me into court. Um, the court said, yes, you have to be in court. And so right now we're waiting on him. Um, the last I read, and I have it here, is that, um, that, they, that he has to turn over documents by May 22nd and sit for disp uh, disposition on May 29th, or he will be found in contempt of court. Um, so that's, that's uh, Representative Voss, and um, he asked for an emergency stay, uh, but I believe that was also denied. So um, we'll, need to, we'll need to hear uh, about, about that and, and um, find out exactly why the maps were drawn the way they were in Wisconsin. So uh, more developing there. But that, this um, Whitford case then, um, it's very much like the North Carolina case uh, in, in terms of its approach in, in the courts. And um, we're likely to hear uh, what happens with the Supreme Court decision, which is uh, likely to be any time between now and June uh, before they adjourn, uh, we'll get a ruling. And last time they waited, I think the last uh, date they could to make a ruling on Whitford when it was at the Supreme Court before they sent it back down. Um, Excuse me, and so uh, it might not be until the last, the last one, too. Um, but all these cases, and now we have four, right? We have Michigan and Ohio, North Carolina, Maryland, asking the Supreme Court to set a standard. And um, that's, that's good for those of us who feel that these gerrymandered states and the, the lines need to be resolved. So the League is hopeful that the court will... Um, will do the right thing and clarify these uh, redistricting processes um, so that we can, can count on fair maps. Um, unfortunately, we can't just wait around for the courts to, to solve the problems. Um, so we need to think about what we can do um, in the meantime and what we can do to solve the problem within the state. Um, in, uh, in the uh, state budget, the governor had included uh, gerrymandering, uh, or excuse me, redistricting reform in, in the state budget that has since been removed by the committee, the Joint Finance Committee. Um, we don't know that if it will be put in in any way back in, um, but we do know that Senator Hansen and uh, Representative Vining uh, are likely to introduce a standalone bill. And this is good, because this is the process we want this kind of uh, law to be introduced as. So uh, we expect the bill to be introduced in, a, in, in the next week or so. And that bill will, um, will be uh, modeled after the uh, Iowa um, redistricting process, and I won't go through, you know, what that means unless you would like me to go through the finer points of that. But basically, it's taking the the map drawing away from the legislatures, uh, the the legislators who are trying to maintain their power through the map drawing, 
and, and give it to an independent body. In this case, it would be our Legislative Reference Bureau. So they're not elected, they're not trying to hold their own power, and there would be uh, measures in there that would hold the, the map drawing accountable. So it couldn't be done in secret, it can't be done in a hotel room across the way from the Capitol. Um, it needs to be in the public view, it needs to be reviewed by the public, um, and, it, it, and it needs some accountability to how it is drawn. Um, and so we, we like this, the league supports the Iowa model for Wisconsin, and um, we, we, hope that, uh, we hope that when the bill is introduced, um, we'll get that swell of support that we've been building um, to, to make sure that our legislators know this is actually what we want for, for Wisconsin. And so we haven't been sitting back since 2011 uh, waiting for the courts to help us. Um, we've gone out and we've done a lot of uh, campaigning, um, educational uh, awareness around what does it mean to have a fair map process. And uh, the League is part of a um, fair elections um, or fair maps coalition uh, with groups like the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign, um, Common Cause Wisconsin, uh, Citizens Action, um, and then there have been these uh, pop-up groups of individuals and, and organi organizations that are coming together who are saying, we want fair maps too, and so we're going to work at it in our communities. And so there have been two ways that people have been working at it in their communities. One is to work with their county boards to pass resolutions. And right now we have 46 counties, so and they're in the light purple and the dark purple who have passed resolutions wanting redistricting reform. Um, this has been very energizing over the last few years uh, that people have been working with their county boards and, and talking about the issue, educating their communities about what it means to have fair maps, why it's important. And if you look at this map, there's no way all these counties are blue counties in Wisconsin. That just doesn't exist. These are counties, they're red, they're purple, they're blue. All, all these people are saying, we want fair maps. And in one of the uh, Marquette polls uh, that came out recently, they said that 72% of the people support fair maps. That's a lot of people on any issue. That is a lot of people. And so this is one way that they've been exercising that. It's a non-binding resolution. So all they can do is tell their legislators that we've done it. We've been um, putting this map out between the coalition and our groups and really celebrating this grassroots effort to educate and to move this issue along. Uh, the dark purple are counties that have passed a ballot referendum. Again, non-binding, but it's an advisory referendum, so the people got to mark on their ballot that yes, they support a fair map process and redistricting reform. And the latest two counties to do that are Vernon County and La Crosse County. They did it just this uh, last April. Uh, the La Crosse League there was very much involved. They launched a campaign, and I asked them to document it. They've documented it, and we're going to help uh, push that campaign um, out so we can get some more of these in, in some dark purple. Um, I know there's a couple members here in, in Dane County who are also interested in working. So Dane, you've been dark purple for a long time. That's excellent. And um, 
But there have been uh, members here who are asking, how, how do we spread the word? What else can we do? Uh, and that's great. So now we're trying to work with uh, individuals in Columbia and Dodge County who are interested in the same thing, either the referendum, the ballot referendum, or the uh, advisory by the, the council, uh, excuse me, the county board. So uh, this is just some really uh, exciting progress in a state where we don't have the avenue to do a, a direct ballot referendum. Our legislators aren't listening to us, but we're making that noise and we're making it louder. And, um, and, and it's, a, it's really good steps forward. Um, so watch for that bill to come out and we'll, put, we'll for sure put out a call to action so that you know when it's there and we hope that you will continue to make noise, contact your legislators, tell your friends, especially friends in other counties, that this is something that is, is best for Wisconsin. Um, so I'll go along now to the extraordinary session and um, take questions on either of these. Um, in case you're wondering on the gerrymandering, uh, the, the State League is actually not involved in any court case right now on gerrymandering. We did file an amicus brief when Whitford went to the Supreme Court the first time, but right now uh, we're, we're hoping for a good ruling, um, but we are not active in any of the, the state league is not active in any of the court cases. Um, okay, so now we have extraordinary session lawsuits. So uh, this is the one that we filed. Now, this is a, a court case that the state uh, league is directly involved in. And uh, what it is is a lawsuit that's saying that the extraordinary session that was called in December 2018 is unconstitutional, okay? And so the Dane County, first it was in the Dane County Circuit Court, and they ruled in our favor. Uh, we are one of three organizations and about four or five individuals who are part of the plaintiff team. Um, and so the defense appealed the ruling, it went to the appeals court, and what happened there was that both parties, the defense and, and the plaintiffs, agreed that, you know what, this is just going to the Supreme Court no matter what, let's expedite things. Should, should we agree, let's ask the state, uh, the, excuse me, the state Supreme Court to just take our case without having an appeals ruling? The parties agreed, the Supreme Court agreed, yes, I will take this case. So there was no ruling at the appeals court. Um, this morning, I sat, in the Supreme Court chambers, along with three of our board members, and uh, two of them are uh, Dane County members, uh, and the other from Appleton League. Uh, we sat in the courtroom, we had front row seats, it was uh, very interesting, and um, we listened to the argument at the Supreme Court. So what are our arguments in this case? Um, and I'm not a lawyer, so I will put it into the way I understand it. So uh, first, there's nothing in the state constitution that says that the legislature can call itself into an extraordinary session. And that's what they did in December of 2018, okay? Um, one of the things that the defense, the legislature tried to argue is that, well, this is the way it's always been done. It's precedent has been set to just call out this one single session, you know, that's, that's nonsense. 
but it's not how it's always been done. Uh, the first extraordinary session was called in uh, 1980. Okay, so um, there is some precedent, but it's not the way it's always been done. Um, the other thing that the defense tried to use in their uh, argument was that if you nullify uh, the bills of 2018, you'll nullify all extraordinary session bills of all time. And they pointed to a few cases where it was like, you know, this is a really big deal in the state. We can't just take away that law. Um, what the, our, le our legal team found is that many of those laws had either expired because they were contracts. They were either brought um, through the legislature uh, again and were amended during a regular session. So they were put into law in the regular way, the way we would expect them to govern. Um, uh, or they just, time had passed and they're just, they're, they're just not um, applicable anymore. Um, and so we weren't opening the door to undo every law that was passed in an extraordinary session. Um, the, other, the next thing was that uh, they were afraid that chaos would break out. <laughs> this is, these are their words. If we undo these laws, chaos will break out. Um, but we claim that chaos will not break out. That, um, in fact, it feels chaotic when the legislature decides that it can at any time call itself into session without notice to the public, to, for the public to give input, uh, for there to be understanding about the bills that are being passed. Um, what I found during this time in December was that when, when, there were, when the media would interview some of the legislators who would be voting on these bills, they couldn't really talk about what they were about because nobody had read really what was going on because they weren't given a lot of time. So things were done in the middle of the night and, um, and, and it just seemed, that seemed like chaos. So, um, and then finally, you know, they kept saying the, the legislature is a co-equal branch of the government and it should be able to rule as it does, um, to which our legal team said, yes, the legislature should uh, is a co-equal branch and it should be allowed to rule, but it shouldn't be allowed to be in session all the time. In fact, our legal team brought up that if the, if the defense is gonna claim that they're in session on day one of the odd year, January, through December of the even year, because it's a biennium year, then they should never be able to collect campaign contributions because they're always in session. <laughs> and that's very illegal. So, um, yeah. Um, the other thing is that um, the legislature shouldn't call itself into session and decide on bills based on an election outcome, right? This happened after the fact that there was gonna be a transition in power and they called themselves in, into session to then pass laws that would essentially, as they claim, equalize their branches well, if their branches were so unequal, it should have been handled prior to, 
to December 2018 when an election had been had, a transition was about to take place. I'm almost done and I'll take some questions. So, um, so what's at stake with this lawsuit? Well, one is upholding the Constitution, right? That's what we're appealing to the, to the court of law. Is this constitutional? Is this the way we want our government to be representative of us? Um, we need that check on power, and that's part of a co-equal branch of government as well, right? Um, that's what the court is supposed to do. Review what's going on. Is this an abuse of power, or is it, you know, they call themselves in the session and they'll, the legislature will do as the legislature does. Um, governing with fairness and integrity. Uh, I really think that, uh, and, and this is something that I guess the, the lawyers don't talk about too much, but I think it's a really important point to make, is that this is kind of the heart of the case, is how do we want to be governed? How do we want to be represented? Do we want um, our representatives to be able to go in and, and, and call themselves into, um, into office? Do, do the ends justify the means? Um, in this case, to me, and I, I am very glad that our board decided to, to take on this case, um, because I think all of us will agree that it's, a, it's an issue of fairness and integrity. Um, and along with that is just restoring public trust. If, if they're allowed to continue to govern like this, where there's less transparency, less public input, um, less interaction with the public, less listening to the public, it's just gonna erode even further the public trust that, that goes along with um, being a representative of the public. Um, so we expect there to be a ruling between um, next week and uh, the end of June when they adjourn. Um, and so uh, we, we will be watching for that. And again, we will be putting out information. Um, there's a couple of ways that you can connect with us online. We try to get things up as soon as we, we have uh, the capacity to. Um, and we do have an email that goes out every other week where we try to summarize everything that has been happening um, to give you the most updated information. Um, so that's kind of a quick review of where we are with gerrymandering and the extraordinary sessions. I think Joy will come around and... This is actually... Should be on. This is actually a comment. Uh, Doug Poland, who's the lawyer in Whitford... Uh, versus Gill, um, has invited any interested person to come in July, July 15th through the 18th, to Judge Peterson's courtroom in the federal courthouse because that's when arguments will be held in front of Judge Peterson. And those of us who followed the voter ID lawsuit remember some very good rulings from Judge Peterson. So I would encourage anybody who's interested to set aside some time that week, July 15th to 18th, Judge Peterson's courtroom in the federal courthouse. All right. Thank you. Erin, why isn't uh, the league involved in the um, gerrymandering case anymore? Yeah, so the gerrymandering suit, when it came back on standing. Uh, Joy, just one more. Um, when it came back on standing, the, uh, the legal team decided what they would do is go directly to uh, Democratic. <laughs> 
uh, Democratic voters and the Democratic Party. And they wanted them to help develop their standing and that was gonna be their approach. So we just decided not to align with, with the party uh, in, in this case. Yeah. Uh, hi. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Jimmy Anderson is my representative. Yeah. And I believe he's disabled in a wheelchair mm -hmm. and is, really is a fighter for people. Did he bring a suit because of his health issues that he was not able to attend? That's and right. he, medically, he was not able to stay. Do you know what's happened to that? I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, so that, that is the one case. So there are four cases that are filed against the Extraordinary Sessions, ours being one, another by the, the unions and, and some other folks who are, uh, whose argument is on the basis of separation of powers, another by uh, many Democratic lawmakers and the Democratic Party. That one's in the federal courts. Um, and then, and then uh, Representative Anderson's case. That is the only one that I don't know. I don't know the status of that one. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering as well. His was very specific, as you said, to, um, he, was, he was not included in those votes because of the way they were called into session to, to take the votes. Yeah, so what the comment was that it was against medical advice. Um, would he have received messages in time for him to uh, get back to the Capitol to take the votes. Yep, yeah, so yeah, he was not included. Well, we recognize this is very short. Am I on now too? Um, okay, uh, but thank you so much, Aaron. And so we're glad we could get the instant replay. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was very quick. Um, yeah, and thanks for having me. And I just, I also want to thank you all uh, for your support, your questions, uh, your advocacy, because I know when we go into the courtroom and I represent the league, I know that it's because of the way that you are able to represent the league out in the communities that gives it so much uh, force uh, when we're in places like the courtroom. So thank you as well. Thank you.